Good morning, Kavanaugh. Will you stand with us? We are so excited that you're here and we are ready to worship. My feet are on the rock. team. Hey, you guys can be seated. Thank you so much for joining us here today. He is the hope that we hope in, that we have our hope in, and he, he is the love that we have in our lives, and he's the savior of our hearts. Jesus is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. It is so good to be here with you today here at Kavanaugh Church. So thankful that you're here. This is a really special Sunday, all right? I don't know about you, but 2020 has been a little crazy, right? Right? And, uh, well, 
through the craziness, our school year kind of get, got cut short in March, right? So that means a lot of seniors, uh, the end of their, their, their year kind of was a little tossed and uh, turned a little bit. And what we have today, finally, what we would be usually doing in May, we are now doing in August, probably a week before some of them are about to go off to college, all right? But we are celebrating our graduates today. So I want to uh, invite you to give them a hand. It's good. I'm going to invite Devin up to the stage, and we want to honor them today. Um, what's really, really cool about this class is uh, this, was, this class was halfway through their freshman year when Shawnee and I first got here. So time has flown, all right? And uh, it, I love this group. Uh, these, these kids are absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of every single one of them. You guys are absolutely fantastic. And I know you guys are all 100% smarter than me, all right, in everything that you do. Um, and you guys are going to do so well uh, wherever God takes you, uh, through college, through your careers, through the families that you're going to eventually have. It's just going to be absolutely amazing. So we are so proud of you, and today we're going to honor you. And uh, we have some gifts for you. So I think the instructions are, as you see your names pop up on the screen or your pictures, you come on up and we will give you a gift, all right? So let's celebrate together. I've been thinking about time And where does it go? How can I stop my life from passing me by? I don't know I've been thinking about family Now it's going so fast Will I wake up one morning Just wishing that I could go back I've been thinking about lately can make a change and let it change me So with all of my heart This is my prayer Singing Oh Lord, keep me in the moment Help me live with my eyes wide open Cause I don't wanna miss what you have for me
give our seniors one more round of applause. We're so proud of them, both high school and college. Awesome. All right, hey, we're, I'm, what, what we're going to do right now is I'm going to say a prayer for our seniors, and then we're going to lead right back into worship, okay? Let's bow your heads with me. Lord, we love our kids. We really do, and we're so thankful that we've been able to be entrusted with them by you. We're so thankful for their, for their lives being a part of this church and growing up and coming through and, and, and being part of our ministries here. God, we've, all we do is pray that everything that we've been able to give them th- over the years from Brother Johnny's area all the way up to high school and even into college, that everything that they've learned here through your word, that they, it grows deep into their lives and that you make something of them, God. So we pray as they move on to these next precious steps of their life that they take what they've learned and that they grow and they become the men and the women that you want them to be. We're so thankful for them. Our church loves them. And we put our blessings on them in your name. Amen. I invite you all to stand. Let's continue to worship this morning.
Praise team, give them another big hand, would you? Appreciate them and their ministry to us today through the Word. Thank you for being here in person, and I want to thank everybody who's watching online. Uh, appreciate you uh, tuning in and uh, being with us today at Cavanaugh Church. Uh, Nathan, here's, here's you, you know, you're talking about how long you've known these kids. 
man, I've known all of them their whole life. And that, that's the cool, cool thing about being in a place a long time, been here 23 years. I've watched all these kids from birth until now, and I am so proud of these young people. Give them another big hand, would you? And uh, guys, you graduates, I love y'all so much that I, I wrote a sermon just for y'all, all right? Uh, this is my graduate sermon for year 2020, uh, but that doesn't mean the rest of you don't have to listen, because God's Word is applicable to all of us, no matter where we are on life's journey, right? And so uh, listen up, but you teenagers especially listen today, because here's the deal, you matter. That's the title of my sermon, You Matter. We, we hear this a lot of who matters. Let me tell you, you matter. You matter to God and you matter to other people. And what you do with your life matters. And so I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 today, reading verses 23 through 27. And let me just dig right into it. Here's what it says. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Let me just bring you up to date as to what's happening. This goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 1. The Hebrews, the Jewish people, were slaves in Egypt. And the Hebrews were outnumbering the Egyptians. And so the Pharaoh of Egypt decided, we'll eliminate this problem. I want all the baby Hebrews that are born thrown into the Nile River. We'll keep the little girls alive, but all the baby boys that are born will we'll kill them and annihilate them. And so that's what they were doing. They were killing all of these little baby Hebrew boys that were born. Moses' mother had him, and she could not turn him over to the authorities. She could not sacrifice her son. He was a beautiful little baby. Now, those of you who are mamas in here and you've had a baby, was your baby beautiful? Come on, was, was your baby beautiful? You better believe it, but Moses' mother loved her baby Moses so much she could not destroy him. And so she devised a plan. They said, we're just going to hide him. Well, you, you can't hide a baby for very long, can you? And after three months, that kid was making so much noise, she had to do something. So she made a little basket for him, put him in the basket, and placed him in the reeds of the Nile River. And then she asked Moses' big sister to go watch out and see what happens. And so there baby Moses is in a basket in the Nile River. About that time, Pharaoh's daughter came down to the Nile to take a bath. And she saw this little basket in the Nile River. She opened up the lid, and all of a sudden, God, I guess God pinched Moses because he cried. And that broke her heart. And she fell in love with this baby, and she said, I'm going to keep this baby and raise it on my own. Now, Moses' sister's hiding over there. She sees all this, and she runs over and says, Ma'am, could, could I go get a Hebrew woman for you to wean this baby for you and to take care of this baby? And Pharaoh's daughter said, Would you please? So who in the world do you think Moses' big sister went and got to take care of baby Moses? Come on, come on, people. His mama. And so she came, she took baby Moses. Pharaoh's daughter said, would you wean this baby for me and I will pay you your wages? ka -ching. Now, wouldn't that have been great for you as a mama? Come on, mamas. If somebody would have paid you to raise those kids you raised, all right? But that is exactly what happened when Moses became of age. He was taken to Pharaoh's daughter and then 
He was raised in the palace of Egypt. That brings us to the next verse. By faith Moses, when he became of age, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take the word of God and speak it into our lives. As, as I try to talk on the outside, would you speak on the inside, especially to our graduates and our young people today. Help them to realize that they matter. They matter to you. They matter to this world. They matter to other people. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you probably figured it out. This morning I'm going to talk about who? About old Moses, all right? One of the most interesting men in all of the Bible. I mean, th this is the man God gave the Ten Commandments to. This is the man who led the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity when they had been slaves down in Egypt for 400 years. This is the same man who wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We know those five books as the Pentateuch. They are the basis for everything else we find in the Word of God. We can, Moses was the man. I mean, he was a great man, a man of God. And in an amazing way, God used Moses. So, question is, why did God choose Moses? It's because Moses chose God. Okay? Moses made a decision, I'm going to follow God. Moses made a number of very important decisions in his life. He settled four key issues that every one of us in this room and watching online are eventually going to have to deal with. First of all was the issue of identity. Just who am I? Have you ever wondered that about yourself? Who am I? And what have I been made to do? So he settled the issue of identity. Number two, he settled the issue of responsibility. What am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with the rest of the years that I have to live? Number three, he dealt with the issue of priority. What is really important in life and what is important about my life? And then the fourth issue that he dealt with is the issue of difficulty. Because life is tough. Come on, you people are going to have to wake up and get a little more energy. Can we start having coffee again? I really think that's what we need. Y'all need more pep in your life. We need more coffee in here right now. So just imagine you're drinking coffee and answer the question, isn't life difficult? You better believe it is. It is it's really tough. And so you have to deal with this issue of difficulty. How much am I willing to commit myself to make it in life? Moses dealt with all of these issues, and, and you're going to have to deal with them as well. And in each case, Moses made the right decision. Today I want to give you four foundations for personal success. If you want your life to count, you're going to have to settle these issues and deal with these four things. Moses did. You need to do it as well. Why? Because you matter. Look at your neighbor and say, you matter. Okay. 
because you do. You matter to God, and you matter to the people who are around you. So you need to settle these issues. You need to come up with these values in your own life. The first foundation is you need to discover who God made you to be. You need to nail down who and what God made you to be. Moses was born a Hebrew slave, but he was raised as Pharaoh's grandson in Pharaoh's palace, which was the most opulent place on the face of the earth at that time. So if anybody ever had an identity crisis, Moses had an identity crisis. He had to decide, am I Jewish or am I Egyptian? Am I a slave or am I royalty? And the major consequences of that decision were going to affect the rest of his life. If he chooses to say, I am Pharaoh's grandson, man, he's got it all. He's got fame, fortune, a life of luxury, a promise, promising career. He is the heir to the throne of Egypt. On the other hand, if he chooses to say, I'm Jewish and I am a Jewish slave, he's going to be rejected, despised, He's going to be thrown out of the palace, humiliated. He's going to have to live the rest of his life as a slave. But here's the deal. Moses refused to live a lie. Hmm? He was a man of integrity, a man of character. And so he made his decision. We have it recorded in verse 24. By faith Moses, when he had grown up... <laughs> refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want you to circle that word refused. It means to disown, to reject, to leave no door open. It means that you've settled the issue and you're done with it. Moses insisted on being what God made him to be. And no amount of peer pressure or pressure from the inside could change that fact. And just like Moses, God created you for a purpose. God has a reason for your life. And God wants, listen to this, God wants you to be you. Because if you don't be you, who's going to be you? Doesn't that make sense? And so the first secret of success is be who God made you to be. Quit trying to be somebody else. Quit trying to be somebody that you're not. Quit trying to conform, to look like everybody else looks, to talk like everybody else talks, to dress like everybody else dresses, to act like everybody else. Just be you. Why? Because God made you, you, and you're the only you there is, and there is a reason for you to be here. Why? You matter. So you need to get this figured out. Who has God made me? The, the second thing that you need to come to a conclusion on is the responsibility for your life. You need to accept responsibility for your own life. Stop making excuses and stop blaming others for your life. And you have to take the incentive to do that. I want you to look at verse 25. Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. The word you need to circle there is the word chose. 
If you want to make an impact with your life, it's your choice. Now, let me try to break this down so we, that we understand it. You are as close to God as you choose to be. Does that make sense? You read your Bible as much as you choose or want to read it. It's a choice. God has given you the freedom of choice. And the choices that you make in life will determine your future. Come on. Act like you got some coffee in you. Is that not the truth? The choices you make will determine your future. In verse 24, we have Moses refusing. He refused a way of life. And then in verse 25, we have Moses choosing. He follows a negative action with a positive action. In verse 23, God chose Moses while he was a baby. But in verse 25, Moses chose God. Verse 24 says, by faith, Moses when he had grown up, made that decision. You see, a mark of maturity is when you start accepting responsibility for your own life. When you stop blaming other people. Now, as a baby, it was okay for Moses to live off his parents' faith. But when he had grown up, he had to make that decision for his own. Now, I'm just going to stop right here and give you a little parenthesis of some facts of life, okay? These are facts of life. And the first fact of life is this. I cannot live off of other people's spiritual commitments, and neither can you. You've all heard people say, well, my parents were Christians, or my granddaddy was a missionary, or my husband or wife is a believer, you know, when people say that to me, I want to say, I don't say it back to them, but I want to say, so what? <laughs> Good for them, but you know what? You need your own faith. You need to make that commitment to Jesus Christ. You need your own personal relationship to God through Jesus Christ. So I'm here to tell you teenagers today, listen to me, if you're a young person, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to stop living off the spiritual apron strings of your parents and your grandparents. You need your own faith. And I say that not only to our teenagers. Some of you adults need to hear that as well. Because you've never grown up. You don't have your own faith. You need to have that faith. When Moses grew up, he chose. Fact of life number two. I can't blame others for the direction of my life. Now, our society says the exact opposite. Our society says, oh, it's not your fault. You're simply the product of your environment. So it's okay to blame others. Go ahead and blame everybody else for your messed up life. Blame your parents. Blame your teachers. Blame your preacher. Blame whoever you want to blame. It's not your fault. You know what? Baloney. It is your fault. You, you know the way you spell blame? I know Jed can spell it for me. B-L-A-M-E. Because he can spell anything. He, he even, he's learning the Greek alphabet. Isn't that amazing? M-E. Here you go. 
There you go. You know what? At least somebody's listening to me. I love that. Thank you, Jed. Here's the way you spell blame. Be lame. Think about it. Because when you're blaming everybody else, that's what you're doing. You're just being lame. You can't blame other people for the direction of your life. Why? It's your life. You can't always control the circumstances. I understand that. But you know what? You do get to control how you respond to the circumstances in life. So I can't blame others for the direction of my life. And then number three, fact of life number three, nobody can run your life except you. Okay? So here's what you need to do. You need to choose the way you respond to life. That, that, that's what Moses did. Moses made a number of great choices, and he accepted responsibility for his own life. I am who I am. I'm the person God made me to be, and therefore, this is the way I'm going to live. And that brings us to number three. You need to establish a value system for your life. If you're going to make your life count, you need to settle the issue of what is really important in life. You need to clarify it. Moses clarified his values, his priorities. We, we read that in verse number 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. I'm having you circle a lot of words, but the word that we want to circle there is the word esteeming. The word means to evaluate, to consider, to weigh in the balance, to judge. Now, guys, this is something you don't do on the spur of a moment. This is something that, that takes a little bit of time to do. You need to sit down with no distractions and seriously consider what in the world am I living for? What is really important in life? What are my values? What am I willing to live for and even die for? This verse tells us that Moses regarded what really was important and what was not important. Most people have never done that. Honestly, I have statistics on it. Most people have never done that. And you wonder why there are so many failures in life. People have never sat down and, and established their own values, what they're willing to live for and even die for, why they are here and what's really important. So you need to establish these values in your life, things that you're going to build your life on and things that are important to you. You need to sit down and literally write them out. I value and then write down what you value. And you're saying, well, why? Why do I need to do that? Well, the fact is, if you don't decide what is important in life, somebody else is going to make that decision for you. If you don't decide what's valuable for your life, what you're going to base your life on, other people will do it for you. The world is more than happy to pressure you into its mold and to promote its value system on you. Now, there are a lot of good Christians out there who know the Lord, but they've bought into the world's value system. They're living that system without even thinking about it rationally. Why is that? Because it has been crammed down our throats ever since we were kids. This is what makes a person great. This is what we value. 
And so we've just adopted this. We swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. And we think this is what's really important in life. What is the world's value system? Let me just lay it out for you. It all begins with power, prestige, and popularity. Yeah. I, I want to be famous. I want to be somebody. I want to stand out in the crowd. Number two is pleasures. I want, I want what feels good. I want to be happy. I want to have fun. I want to party. I want everything good. Number three is possessions. I want to make a fortune. I want to be wealthy. And I don't want to have to work for it. I want you to give it to me. Did you know all temptation falls into one of these three categories? Biblically, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is ironic to me is that Moses, by the world's standard, he had it made. Now you think about it. Moses had all of these things. Moses had power. He was heir to the throne of the most powerful country in the world at that time. Pleasures, every whim, would be satisfied in the palace of Egypt. He lived on easy street. Possessions, the wealth of the world was concentrated in Egypt and it was all in Moses' hand. Moses had it all. Power, pleasure, possessions. He had it all, but here's what Moses did. He just walked away from it. Now, why in the world would he do that? Because he knew it wouldn't last. Did you hear me? He figured out these things don't last. They're not going to last 20 years from now. They're not going to last for eternity. So what was Moses' value system? Well, we don't have to guess. We have it recorded in Scripture. He valued three things. Number one, he discovered that God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. God's purpose is more valuable than simply being popular. Here's what Moses knew. God's got a plan for my life. God made me for a reason. There is a purpose for me being here. What was that purpose? It was to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and captivity. So what does the Bible say? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses was saying this, I'm going to give up the prestige, the power, and the popularity because that doesn't last. What really matters is for me to do what God made me to do. To be the person God made me to be. A few weeks ago, Zane and I were driving back from Texas in the old pickup truck. Not the old one, the new old truck. But anyway, we were driving back and just talking about stuff. And I said, uh, hey, Zane, fill me in on, on what's going on with all your buddies that you went to school with. Zane's about to go into his junior year of college. And, and so he's been uh, out of high school for a couple of years. And and uh, got all these friends that I've known since they were kids. I mean, they started playing ball when they were just little bitty guys, football in third grade. And I watched these kids grow up. I know them all by name. I know their, what they look like, what they act like. I know their parents, blah, blah, blah. And so we were just going down through the list, and he was filling me in on this guy and that guy and what they were doing now and what they were into and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and Matt, it took me back to my high school days and trying to remember the, the people of, of my high school years, which has been like forever ago, and I had this realization, this thing popped into my, my mind. One minute you're a hero, the next minute you're a zero. You know? 
And, and, and the guys that, or people that you went to high school with that, that were such popular people and, and, and had all the athletic ability and you thought really we're going to do this, they're not doing anything with their life. They're bums. And, and the person that was the nerd sitting over there in the corner is a millionaire. I mean, go figure that. And, and you know what? Here's the bottom line. People could care less. Pride and prestige is fleeting. This year's superstar is next year's has-beens. And you can't live for the fame of other people because it just doesn't last. And so here's Moses' conclusion. I, I would rather do God's purpose and be the person God made me to be and do what God's told me to do than to live in this place of power, prestige, and popularity. Why? He discovered that God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. His second value is this. People are more valuable than pleasures. Verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Remember, these people were slaves at this time rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Now, I love this verse because it, it, the Bible doesn't lie. And the Bible doesn't sugarcoat things. And so right here, this verse says there's pleasure in sin. Okay? Moses didn't choose that. He, he, he chose rather to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin that last a short time. So the Bible tells it. It affirms right here. There is pleasure in sin. Well, of course there is. I mean, sin is fun. Sin and it's fun. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. If sin were a bummer, nobody would want to do it. But the devil makes it so inviting. It feels so good. But you got to get this or you've missed the whole point. It doesn't last. Ever. It's only for a season. And there are always consequences that you're going to reap from that sin. So Moses could have had the temporary pleasure of, of being the next Pharaoh of Egypt. Or he could have done what God made him to do and help the people of God who were living in pain who needed to be set free. Now, he could have stayed there in pleasure and been the next Pharaoh of Egypt. But you know what? If he would have chosen that, none of you today would have known who Moses was. He would just be some mummy in some tomb in Egypt. But he gave up the pleasures of the moment for the people of God. And because he gave himself away like that for the purpose of God, Moses is one of the greatest men who has ever lived. Value number three, he learned that God's peace is more important than possessions. Verse 26, he regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than all of the treasures in Egypt. You see, in verse 24, he rejected the world's measure of success. In verse 25, he rejects the world's pleasures. In verse 26, he rejects the world's treasures. Guys, those are the big three. He does what is right because God's peace is more important than all of the possessions this world can give you. He knew that no possession would ever fill his heart 
with that peace that passes all understanding. And man, if, if, as a young person, if you could just get a hold of this, it will change the trajectory of your life. Stuff can't buy you love. Possessions can't make you happy. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how much you have, it's never enough. Because that's not where peace is found. Real peace is found in a personal relationship with a living God. And you can never have peace of heart and peace of mind until you have peace with your creator, the peace of God. That's where peace comes from. So bringing it all down, I've got to ask you the question, what is it that you value today? It's amazing to me that Moses gave up the very three things that we spend our entire life trying to get. Pleasure, possessions, prestige. What made him do that? What made Moses walk away from everything people are working so hard to get? Well, verse 26 tells us, it says, because he was looking ahead to his reward. He wasn't looking at the here and now. He was looking ahead to the future. You know what he had? He had perspective. What motivates you to reject the world's value system and accept God's value system for your life? Well, it's your perspective. It's all in what are you looking at. Are you looking at the here and now, or are you looking at eternity? Most people, probably 7 out of 10, all they're concerned about is right here, right now totally unaware that they're going to spend much more of their time on the other side of eternity than they're going to spend on this side of eternity. Did you hear that? I mean, this is just temporary. This world is not our home. It's not wise to look at life like that. And that brings me to the fourth thing. Number one, you need to discover what God made you to be. Number two, you need to accept responsibility for your own life. Number three, you need to establish a value system for your life. And then number four, you need to never take your eyes off of the goal. Always keep your eyes on the goal. Verse 27, look at this. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered. I love that word, persevered. Say it with me. One, two, three. Persevered. Because he saw him who was invisible. He stayed focused. He stayed on task. The secret of perseverance is your vision. You keep your eyes on the ultimate reward. You don't give in and you don't give up. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. This is how you make your life count. This is how you become a winner. I don't know how Moses did this, but the Bible said he did it. He kept his eyes on God, the one who is invisible, perhaps even on Jesus Christ. That's where his focus was. And when your focus is on God and pleasing God, then, my friend, you can persevere. You will not quit. Let me bring it all down with Hebrews chapter 12. you got to love Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I know there's controversy as to what that means. 
I, be, I simply believe it means every, everyone in heaven, God, the angels, those who have gone before, they are our great cloud of witnesses. And they're looking down, they're peering down, they're watching what's going on in this world and in your life. Since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, anything that's slowing you down, anything that's causing you not to be the person God has made you to be, and also throw away those sins which so easily entangles us. And then when we've taken off all that garbage and all that dead weight, then let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus. On Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Notice those two phrases that go together. Let us run with perseverance and let us keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. When you fix your eyes on Jesus you're going to run to the end. And this is not a sprint, it is a marathon. So, what are you living for? Young person, right, right now, what are you living for? What are you going to do with the rest of the days of your life here on planet Earth? Whether you've got 50 days left or 50 years left, or maybe just till this next Sunday. <laughs> really, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? That is imperative for you as a young person to think about that. You, you can save yourself so much heartache, so much grief, so much misery that you can't even foresee now. You can save a, a life of de despondency and a, a life of pain just by making the right choices today. What are you going to do with the rest of your days? It's not just the young people I'm talking to. I'm talking to you adults as well. You know, life is in stages. You kind of move from one stage to another stage to another stage. But as long as you're breathing, are you breathing right now? If you're breathing, raise your hand. Let me know that you're, you don't need a paramedic. Come on. <laughs> we need life support systems in here. That's what we need. If you're still alive... God's got something for you to do. It, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, even during retirement, there's something God wants you to do. And you know what? You've got to do it to the best of your ability. I, I told the first service people this. I'm, I'm about to turn 59. This next week I turn 59. I know I don't look it. Okay. About to be an old man, all right? Uh, I, I, I've been here at Kavanaugh for 23 years. been here a long time, you know? About to start year number 24. And ultimately, the end is in sight. I mean, ultimately, I'm going to come to a point, and I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm going to come to a point where I just I have to lay it aside. I have to do something else. I can't, I can't be your pastor forever. Okay? I realize that. I don't know how long it's going to be. You know, I've, I've kind of got a goal out there for myself. I, I want to stay a little bit longer if you'll have me. All right? And as long as I can keep doing it, I want, I want to be at task in doing it. But, but you know what? I'm, I'm nearing the end, Stacy. I mean, it's getting there. I'm, I'm older. I'm, I'm getting more feeble and weak, and my mind's not as sharp. And I, I know it's coming. But I don't want to give up right now. And, and I know a lot of guys in, in, at my age, and they're talking, you know what? Well, I think I can just coast in. 
Put it neutral and just coast the rest of the way. You know what? You, you are such good people, you might let me coast. But I don't want you to let me coast. Because God's really convicted me about this. He says, Will, I don't know, maybe however many years you got left, you need to make that the best that you've ever given me before. You need to make it the best. These last years, they need to be better than all the other years put together. You need to go out like a rocket ship, not like a dud. So listen, if you, if you see me, or if you think I'm slacking off, you have the permission to tell Miss Angie to slap me and get me back in line, all right? So no matter where we are in this pilgrimage, this stage, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and we need to keep grinding. We need to keep going. So where does that leave you for today? Where are, do you know who you are? Have you determined that? Who are you? Well, you're either a person of this world or you belong to Jesus Christ, a child of the King. And if you say, I'm a child of the King, I'm a believer, there's a life you need to be living. And it's not a life of this world. It's a life according to the Word of God. Okay? So live the life. You need to figure out this aspect of responsibility. Have you been able to say, you know what, I'm not going to blame anybody else for my life anymore. I'm going to take responsibility for the decisions that I make. And then you need to settle that issue of priority. What is really important in my life? What do I value? Why? Because there's that issue of difficulty. Life is tough. And if you're going to be a success, if you're going to be the person God made you to be, you're going to have to persevere, and you're going to have to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you, that means this morning that you need to take the first step. You need to invite Jesus into your heart. Become a child of God. And if you're here in person and you've never made that decision, it is as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus can save you. And C, confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can do that today. Here in a moment when I pray, you can do it. If you're watching online, same thing. You can do it right where you are. Then the second step is this. Let, let's man up. Let's woman up. Let's be the person God made us to be just as Moses did. Why? Because you matter. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would realize today you made us for a purpose, you have a reason for us being here, and that we matter in the kingdom of God. Lord, for that person who needs to be saved, whether they're watching online or they're right here in this sanctuary, I, I pray that they would say the simple prayer, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, help me to live for you. Lord, wherever they are, I pray that they would pray that prayer and invite Jesus into their life become a child of God. Lord, for the rest of us, I, I pray that we would submit to your will, that we would say, Lord, you made me for a reason. Whatever that reason is, that's what I want to do. <laughs> help me to do it. And dear Lord, help us to keep our eyes focused on you. Lord, for those who need to come and talk to a pastor, I pray that they would have the courage and the freedom to come this week and, and visit with one of our pastors about their life and about the direction their life is going. I love you so much, Lord. Love these teenagers these young people, do something awesome in their life. I pray that they would not abandon 
their faith, but they would grow in their faith. And dear Lord, as these kids go off to college and go off to pursue careers, I pray that they would do everything they can to put you first place in their life. I pray for them, dear Lord. I pray a hedge of protection around them. I pray for wisdom and guidance in their life. I pray, dear Lord, that they would persevere to the end. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Thank you for watching online. If you're in the building, uh, mask up before you walk out the door, okay? And when you do walk out the door, drop your offering into one of those treasure chests that are out there. I want to say a great big thank you to Kavanaugh people for their faithfulness in giving. Uh, Man, it is just tremendous, and we appreciate it so much. Uh, Even those who are watching online uh, who don't even make Kavanaugh their home, they're they're sending money into our church. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's just mind-boggling to me. And... uh, I just I appreciate so much uh, Devin and what he's done to expand our ministry and, and for us to be online. Uh, a couple of my friends, uh, David and, and Debbie Taylor, are traveling to California today. They live in Conway, and they're watching us online as they're, they're driving. Uh, since March, uh, Gerald and Ida Greenwood, former church members of mine who live in Nashville, ten- Tennessee, they've watched every single Sunday our service online. So what a, what a great blessing it is to have this ministry. Thank you for helping and participating. Remember to pray for It's Our Turn, uh, 1.30 every day. Pray that God would bless the construction of the new building. They tell me that within a week or two, we're going to have a foundation poured and a building that's going to start going up. So pray for that to continue. Six o'clock tonight, Johnny's going to be on, uh, online, uh, Facebook on live. Six o'clock, Brother Nathan's going to be on Instagram live. And then at 6.30, Don Smith is going to be teaching our adult Sunday school class. So tune in for that. Big news. Here's the big news. The last Sunday of the month, August 30th, we're going to have kids' church start in again. Isn't that great? Now, if you're a parent or a grandparent of a little kid, you might be panicking and say, oh, I don't know if that's safe. We're making it as safe as it possibly can be. Kids are going to go back to school on the 24th. We're going to start kids' church on the 30th. It's going to be a safe area for your kiddos, okay? So be praying about that. Make sure they're here for that that huge, big event. Here's what I want you to remember. I love you. The staff loves you. But most importantly, God loves you. Have a great day and an awesome week. See you.